Hi, I'm Eileen Mogus. I'm a coach, facilitator, and public speaker. And I'm Daphne Tsanko Kasambala, former banker, entrepreneur, and mentor. We're longtime friends and African women in the diaspora, talking to women like us about the things that matter to us. And this is Soulfully Podcast. This week, we have a really exciting conversation. Um, Daphne, tell us what we're talking about this mm. week. We are talking about black women's hair. Mm. We're talking about that highly, highly emotive, highly explosive, mm. and <laughs> and very, uh, why it has to be, I don't know, controversial topic of African women's hair. We're talking to a really special guest. Her name is Nekia Lee, mm-hmm. and she was moved through her own early experiences as a child and as a young young woman and as a mother of a black daughter to to go and put into the public narrative a positive narrative around African women's hair. Wonderful. Because she saw such a huge gap in that space. Yeah, and I, I, I'll say so in doing in talking to Lekia, I didn't know Lekia. I knew of her thanks to you. Um, Daphne, but I hadn't actually met her or spoken to her prior to the interview. Um, now I'm going to become her friend because I really like her. It's a fantastic conversation. I want to, um, I want to be her friend because I yeah. found the messages that she um, discusses in this interview are so empowering and so true. I mean, she touches on everything in her personal experience, doesn't she? From her yeah. own sense of self rejection I guess that would be the word Mm -hmm. self-rejection and where that came from and how it led her down a very very difficult and painful path where she even considered taking her own life Um, and she talks about that so openly and vulnerably in this um, Mm -hmm. this episode but she talks about as well not only her her own journey to self-love but also, which is probably one of my favorite bits of, well, not my favorite bit, it's all great. But one of the bits that I think I'll take away and remember is the beauty of of um, black men caring for their black daughter's hair and the messages mm. that young black girls will receive of value and love and nurture from, from wonderful black fathers. And that is a message that I think needs to be shouted from the hilltops. That's amazing. And and for me as well, I, I knew that, you know, I know that the issue of black women's hair is, is goes deeper than, you know, it goes deeper than skin mm. deep. And I knew that we would touch on some sort of like influences that come into this, but I was unprepared for the depths yeah. and I was unprepared to, for the, I was unprepared for the insights that I'd get and the relationship that hair and self-worth and society and and self-love and all of these elements, it, it's all intertwined. It's all connected. So I really, really do appreciate having the chat with, with Lekia because she opened my eyes about certain things. She, she made me realize how the way we had our hair c- cared for as children impacts our relationship with our own hair yeah. and how it can actually have the power how we, how we, uh, let's say, uh, the associations that we make between caring for our hair and everything else, and how all of these things have 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 an impact, and it's definitely made me go go away. I'm going to go away and have a think about 
how I actually regard my hair yeah. and how I message that. Yeah, and how I regard yeah. others' hair as well, because that was the big thing. How, how do I regard my daughter's hair? How do I regard what grows out of everybody's head, right? It's like mm. this is, there's no right or wrong hair. There's no good hair or bad hair. There's no, you know, mm. it's hair, and hair grows out of our head, and it's all good. It's all good, right? It's all good. And it's it and it grows out how it's, it's supposed to grow. It grows out how it's supposed to grow out. And and you know, and with that being said, I think the wonderful thing is once we can reach a level of knowing this and accepting our hair for what it is, then it's your you you, you do what you want to your hair. You know what? You want to dye it pink, yellow, blue, yeah. green, you want to shave it, you want to mm. grow it, you want to put a wig on it, all's good, but ultimately it that whatever expression we give to our hair or to ourselves should come from a place of self-love not a place of self-criticism and self-hate right and so for a lot of us that that's part of the journey is am I doing my hair because I hate myself or am I doing it as an expression of my self-love all right great so um hey Lekia how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Had a, had a rough morning, you know, dashing all over the place because I have a, a a hair workshop for fathers tomorrow. So it's a bit of my fault because I left a few th- things last minute, and you know, so yeah. <laughs> and then I got <laughs> caught in the rain. So all this is rain hair. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, what a what a nice segue like here to talk about rain hair. But uh before we go into the subject of 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 hair, um I just wanted to welcome you onto Soulfully Podcast and thank you for taking the time out of your very very busy schedule it seems to have a chat with us about hair about self-love and, and I'm, I think I'm getting a suggestion from your t-shirt because all I can see right now is self-love self-love that is the <laughs> thing I wanted to say hey, but uh, before we <laughs> go into purpose, you know I didn't do it on purpose I just thought I'd go one day today it's a bit warm and I just it's black I don't think I think it's, I think it's clean no one notices <laughs> uh, well okay Lekia so so First of all, I'd like um, those who don't know you to, to understand a little bit about your background. So let's start there. Let's, let me ask you to tell us a little bit about Lekia, who she is, where she comes from, what's led her to this place where she is right now. Okay. Oh, where do I start? Um, anyway, firstly, just to say thanks very much for inviting me. Um, uh, I haven't met Eileen before, so I'm just happy to meet such a beautiful, wonderful lady. Pleasure. <laughs> hey, you're done Pleasure my network. is mine. <laughs> Daphne, I've known Daphne for oh gosh, it's been a few years now, isn't it? It well, has ten or so. Yes, and you've been really helpful and supportive of um, Project Embrace all along, and everything that I've been doing anyway. So um, I'm really, really, uh, I feel really honoured to be on your podcast. So thank you very much. Um, about Lekia, um, Lekia, hmm, it's always difficult to talk about yourself, isn't it? Um, so I, well, I started life um, here in the UK. I was born here in the UK. And um, yeah, I'll say it in 1967, I was born in the UK. And um, then I went back to Nigeria 10 years later, well, nine years later, and, and I grew up there and came back again in my late 20s um, to the UK. Um, and I think my experience of um, 
being teased and laughed at as a, a child um, because of how I, you know, because of my skin color has affected me and how I saw myself. Because even going back to Nigeria, I, I thought things would be different, but they really weren't. So I still got teased um, because of the my complexion. And, you know, people would laugh at me and um, tease me because of my eyes, because, they you know, they said, oh, my eyes is... is, uh, is I was the only they used to say things like oh yeah the only black Chinese girl we know and things like that you know and you uh, internalize these things and I grew up always thinking I'm 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 not enough and I'll never be enough you know and um, the choices that I made in life were always around that like say for example even romantic relationships I always like mm, you know I, I always started planning for the breakup before I even get started because I just felt I know I'm not enough. And so he's going to find someone who is enough anyway. Um, <clears throat> but interestingly, I um, I studied chemistry, but later um, by almost by accident turned to um, broadcasting um, because I, I was actually looking for a, an extra job to, you know, to make money. And um and I just decided, oh, I'm sure I can do this, you know. And there was a new radio station in the town, in the, in the town where I was in, attending university in Nigeria. And you know, long story short, you know, I go, went through auditions and I got selected, and I started working. And that's how I started working in radio. And chemistry started fading, fading, fading away gradually, and broadcasting, you know, started taking shape. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I worked in radio and TV and decided to come here to do the same thing. But um, I realized that um, the experience that I, I gained from working in Nigeria for six years wasn't appreciated here. And even though I came to study because I said, OK, let me get an academic background in media. Um, I, I found that um, even my lecturers were not, you know, they were always like my essays would be double, double, double marked, for example. Um, you know, people would express surprise at, you know, my abilities. And I remember once telling my head of department, remember, I told you I'd done this before. I have I've got six years experience, you know, in Nigeria. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because they're always expressing surprise at how well I was doing. Um, so, yeah. So, um with all of that and then the struggle of you know getting a job in in broadcasting um affected my self-confidence and uh at one point I felt really depressed I felt really like you know I really I wasn't just not enough I was just hopeless and useless because I couldn't get the kind of job I wanted to I mean I did get you know I was freelancing for BBC World Service freelance for BBC London and a job actually came for BBC London that was a permanent job and I applied for it because it's something I was already doing with broadcast assistant so I thought yeah I'm gonna get this um and when we got to the final of the um the interviews you know, they were congratu congratulating with were about maybe about 10 of us. So we were being congratulated um, for, yeah, there were about um, 2,000 people that applied and they cut, brought it down to 200 and we were the last. So, um, yeah, so I thought, oh, yeah, you know, some of the people interviewed me, I, I knew them, I'd worked with them. Mm. So, you know, I thought, yeah. Anyway, in the end, I didn't get the job. And when I, because, you know, they get... Um, a, a letter to say 
or we can, you can call if you want to know why. Mm-hmm. And I called to know why. And I was told that, um, oh, I have a, a bit of a Nigerian accent. So, you know, they were not sure. In London. Work well. wow. Yes, this was, a London, this was London. So this must have been, let me try and think back now. Because it was before my daughter was born. So she's 17. So it's a while back. Wow. Um, and, um, and and that's exactly what I said. I said, but this is London. I said, you understand me, don't you? You understand me. And this is London. So, exactly. you know, and there was nothing else, nothing else. I remember the lady I spoke to. I remember her name was Kate. I can't remember her surname. And she, she was like, Lekia, you, you know, we did it in different sections. Your The section that I marked, you did really well. In fact, you were on the top. But this is the feedback I got from the others. And we decided that, and, and, and it, it was decided that the accent would be a problem. And um, and um, and this is for broadcast um, journalists, so you, um, broadcast assistants. So you're not constantly on air. It's just a few times. So it wasn't like I was, because my, my, my aim, you know, my goal was to become a newsreader. Um, yes. That's what I did in Nigeria. But... So, but that wasn't, it wasn't that, it was just maybe just a one or two reports here and there. And My at goodness. that time, yeah, at that time they wouldn't. So all of that, you know, I felt really down, really depressed. And I felt like um, there was just no hope for me. And I just thought, well, I'm just, this, this, what's the point of being alive? I'm just going to end it, you know? Um, and I, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, for me at the time, I thought, well, what can I do? How can I do this in in as painless as possible? Um, I'm smiling now, but then I didn't really, it was terrible. It felt really terrible. So what I did at the time was I got a cough syrup, you know, cough syrup. They said, don't take over the, don't take too much because it makes you drowsy. Mm. And you only take teaspoons three times a day. So I felt, well, if I finish the whole bottle at once, mm. you know, that drowsiness might go into a coma or even, you know, whatever. That was my thinking anyway. And so I finished a whole bottle of um, a cough syrup. Um, but I'm here now, so obviously it didn't work. Um, it, yeah, I slept for a, for quite a while, longer than I normally do. But I woke up, I opened my eyes, I looked at the ceiling. I was like, okay, this is not heaven. So. <laughs> and Lekia, thank you. Thank you, firstly, for sharing something so vulnerable. And I'm yes. sure so many, so many women... Um, especially women of colour in a predominantly white um, world, you know, in the Western world, um, would have at some point experienced feelings of not enoughness and feelings of not belonging and rejection in society. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that's really helpful to a lot of people to hear. Um, But I want to ask you a question about that. When When you did open your eyes, did you, were you relieved to have your eyes open or was it a disappointment to have to face things again? Um, At first, it was a disappointment. Mm. Um, But maybe I wasn't... um, It's it's an interesting question because no one has asked me that question before. So I'm just having to think back now. It definitely was disappointment at first, but I'm not sure that... I can't remember the time frame exactly, maybe a day or so, and I said, well... I'm here, so I just it's just I have to do something about it. Something has to be done. And that's when I started, you know, going online, looking for, you know, what kind of help I can get, maybe through therapy. And at the time it was it was um I couldn't afford 
therapy as mm-hmm. well. So it was it was such a difficult situation. I didn't really think of think of maybe going through the NHS or anything like that. Mm-hmm. At, at that time, this was you know some twenty years ago. So I, I didn't know if if that was an option or I just went on online and I was seeing all these private stuff. So one day I was looking through the voice and there was this advert for um, there's a therapist, a black female therapist. She said she would give 30 minutes free. Ooh. And then after that, you can decide. So I called her and we spoke. Actually, we she spoke a bit longer for 30 minutes, but that 30 minutes uh, or should I say 40 minutes I spoke with her was enough to make me feel okay there is an answer somewhere I can get out of this she made me understand that um, I'm not to blame yes because I was always blaming myself so I felt I was not to blame and there's some aspects of my upbringing as well because she asked about my relationship with my mother and so there's some aspects of my upbringing that um, is playing out Mm. and that is more to do with the criticism you know me criticizing myself because I grew up with a lot of criticism you know you should do this you should be like this and also just feeling again that not good enough feeling in terms of you know the eyes of society but she did a brilliant job that 40 those 40 minutes yeah and it kind of gave me a little more courage to say, okay, I can find a way out of this fog. Wow. And and then that's when I started, you know, going. I went to the library. I was just looking for books that I could read to help me out. And, um, yeah, that's how it started. And, and, and as I said, okay, I can... I, I, can, I can do better. And that's how my journey of self-love... Well... They, that was the beginning of my journey of loving myself. I was like, you know, I love myself. I'll be in the bathroom having a shower. And I do things like kissing my hands and kissing my thighs. <laughs> you know, I have to remind yeah. myself. Yes. It doesn't matter what anyone says, because that's what she said. It doesn't matter what anyone says. Yeah. You're you're enough. You're okay. You're good. And And, you know, and it starts with the outside, you know, feeling like you don't fit in. And I was thinking, um, because one of the, because um, I did culture and media studies, and looking at culture, when you look back, you see how the idea of beauty changes with time. Exactly. Like if I was born in another era, or maybe maybe 10 eras next, I might be the ideal. Who knows? So exactly. It, this it changes. So why should I, um, why should my um, idea of beauty be based on, just someone's thought, someone's thinking, you know? Yes. The more conversations that Eileen and I have had, the more we realize that a lot of our experiences are common, like the experiences of, you know, the early childhood experiences and the experiences not only to do with society and what happened at school, but at home as well. And the maybe let's say the inner conflicts that happen as a result of our upbringings, which may be to do with culture, maybe to do with our parents and all of those things and how, a lot of them have led to many women experiencing depression and how also we're not able to find the vocabulary for that, that depression, but also talking about how the impact of just one session, you know, one session from somebody who understood you culturally um, coming and almost like lighting a flame within you and setting you on a course of self-love um, and underline on the self as well. The fact that you were doing this for yourself and by yourself 
Yeah, I mean, it's it all is as you, as you, you rightly said. It's all it was all part of the journey. So you know, I I you know was always it was it, you know because it, it, it's it's the self talk mm. you know. And when I, I find myself criticizing myself, one thing I always used to say was. I make a mistake and I'm like, oh, you're so stupid. Oh, you stupid woman. Every time I make a mistake. And that's the one thing she told me I should never say. It took me a while not to to hold myself. When I say a while, years to not beat myself up when um when I make a mistake. Um, I would say it's only probably a few years, it's only been like three, four years now that I've been able not to do it at all when I make a mistake. So um so it's, it was all part of me not, you know, um, having to appreciate m- the whole of me. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just one day I said, well, if I'm not going to, if I'm going to appreciate the whole of me and I'm not going to change my nose or my lips, because and, and these are all the, the things I've actually at one point in my life wanted to change, mm-hmm. you know, to fit in. I'm not going to change my nose, not going to change my lips, not going to change my eyes. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I did actually even think, and I was—I think I was younger, fifteen, when I thought of maybe should I have surgery to pull down my eyes a bit so that they don't look—you know—they don't slant too much. Wow. <laughs> um, I said, if I'm not going to do that, and I certainly won't change my skin color, why am I changing my hair? Mm. Mm-hmm. At what? At what? Um, what were you doing to your hair at that point? What? What was it you were doing? I, I, at that point, my hair was relaxed. Yeah. And it was um, because, um, especially when I was much younger, I had naturally had um, thick hair. Mm. So it always looked, you know, healthy and thick. Even my hairdressers would be like, oh, let's th- th- thin it up a bit, you know, when I do a fringe or something, because mm-hmm. it was so full. Yeah. Um, I, at that point, I think the weeds were just new. I tried it once, but I it didn't really, I didn't really <laughs> like it. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of um, weave when you do this, the whole, the whole weave yeah. moves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like mixing your head down here. Not to mention, not but, to mention the the classic. Oh yeah, yeah. But so I never, yeah, I never, I never got to the head bang, uh, the head slapping. The head slapping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The lady didn't do the style the way I wanted it anyway, and so the next day I took it off, and I'm like, no, you know. But that was at the cusp of me questioning mm-hmm. all the things I was doing that wasn't reflective of self-love yes yeah. and bear in mind at that time there was still a lot of work I was doing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but yeah. for me hair was is such um an important aspect of especially for females I think for everyone but especially for females because of you know the patriarchal society we live in it, it's it's such a, a an a, a big or is it an important part of our um Identity. What's the word? Yes, of our identity. Um, self projection. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the way you want to come across to people. Most women want to look feminine, and what's the idea of feminine? What's the definition Mm. of feminine? Mm. Hair is one of the one things that we use to identify femininity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's not the black woman's hair so even at that it's still but in every culture the hair of the woman is you know takes should i say a place pride of place mm-hmm. place of pride flight, mm. you know what i mean yes. anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that place when <laughs> when it comes to defining um you know mm. um and feminine beauty so so it was a big thing yeah because i was i was 
I was telling at that point I was telling myself I was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. At that point, um, I I um I was also telling myself it's okay to make mistakes. But what was more pertinent to me was that idea of beauty. Mm. Because it almost like if people accept the way you look, it's easier. Well, for me, it was easier to just accept you, yeah. to accept yourself. Exactly. So it, if people are going to accept the way I look, I have to accept it first. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And this is this is coming out from also the, the books I was reading at the time. So I was like, why am I changing my hair? Yeah. Why am I changing my hair to look like someone else's? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How do they feel? How do they see me when I'm in their midst with that? You know, these are all the questions I was asking myself and the answers were not what I liked. Mm-hmm. So I just said one day um, I just went to the barber and I said, please just take, just cut all of this off. They said, are you sure? I said, off everything, just <laughs> everything. <laughs> and I tend to do that anyway. I just tend to make decisions just like that. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, went and I, I came up with the barbers with a bald head, but I felt so good. Mm. Yeah, you don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. I felt empowered. I felt, yes, look at me. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go to places so that people ask me questions. Why is your hair like this? So that I could <laughs> tell them why my hair was like that. I felt so proud of myself. Yes. I really did. Oh, I'm feeling it now. I'm saying it. So which, and... which which speaks to what you were saying about the projection. So that to to you yeah. was a, an opportunity to express what was going on internally as well for you, and you just wanted exactly. to have the conversation. Exactly. Because mm. whatever you do, I mean, we whatever we do to our um to our external should I say our body it starts from the inside yes we can't do anything without it's led from the inside mm. so yeah I, I felt I felt really good and then so yes I was always you know um you know my it grew out a bit and it grew now and I didn't know what to do at that time this was 2000 I had yes, no idea I, I did want to ask you at what point because I remember in my my own hair journey um I, I went, there was a point, I think in 96, when I shaved it off, but that was for practical reasons, because I had little ones. Um, so I did a cute little cut, but it wasn't for, let's call it, it didn't come from, it came from a practical point of view. It, it wasn't a statement on how I was feeling. But yeah. when I did eventually become natural and, you know, stop relaxing my hair, there was a movement. It was very, very early days in the movement to go natural. Did you have any of those kinds of influences? Did you interact or engage with that no, kind of space there, at all? There was no one. There was no one and nobody. And because for me, it was from the inside. So everything, all my answers was coming from me. Hmm. There was no, at the time, there was no Facebook or anything. You know, there was no YouTube at, at, at that time too mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. The only other person that I remember, a black woman I saw that had, she had locks and she was on TV. Her name was Wendy Doug, um, Wendy Douglas. Mm-hmm. She had locks. She was a presenter. Okay. She was the only person I ever saw. And that kept me going because, yeah. again, when my hair grew out, I wasn't used power to seeing my representation. hair. Power representation. Yes, indeed. Yes. Indeed. Oh, power representation. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see beauty in it. So... I, 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 there were times when I was like, oh, just relax it, just relax it, just straight. You mean you it. didn't see beauty but, in your own hair? 
no i didn't see beauty no i didn't see beauty i didn't see it as beautiful right so even though for me it was a statement of Mm self-love it wasn't correlating with my idea of what beauty looks like Mm. yeah 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 so there was that you know friction there but the wanting to be on the journey of self-love was much stronger at the time um so it helps me not to confirm because sometimes I think I'll see other women are like oh and especially um straight and short styles I really like mm-hmm. straight and short style like, mm-hmm. at the time and I think oh you know like um Halle Berry sort of mm. when her hair was short that sort of you know look I was like oh this is nice this looks nice oh. <laughs> then I think of everything that it's saying to me if mm. I did that Mm. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not that gonna is do that. so interesting because I, 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 I remember at the time, because for, for me, I went natural before Facebook as well, but there were these things called forums. You could go onto online forums and there was one, it was called naturality. And so it was, it was so, when I think about it, very, very basic, it, it, it was almost like a Reddit yeah. type thing. And at least from there, I think I fed, I was able to tap into the ideas that were coming up, which included the fact that Afro hair is beautiful in whatever whatever shape or form. I remember, I remember that one. There was a the one of the first ones, if not the first one, I came across. Um, but this, but this was almost four or so years into my journey, or five years into my journey of my hair. Um, but yeah, there was there was nothing. So I remember mm-hmm. one day, uh, my hair was dry. Obviously, when my hair is dry, there's, you can't put a comb. Comb just can't. Mm-hmm. I thought, God, what am I going to do to my hair? I don't know what to do. All right, let me just wash it. I just wash it first, and then whatever happens after that. Mm-hmm. And so I put water, shampoo, and I was like, Oh my God, it's soft. Water actually, I didn't know. Water makes it so. All oh my days, I was like, Oh yeah, and that's how I knew. And then you know, I just put it in twist, and then one that's okay. Let me loosen the twist now. It's been in twist for two weeks, and I'm like. Oh, okay. This is how it looks when this everything I discovered myself. Wow. You know, but I think yeah, the thing was the, the because the determination was there to love myself. It took me about two years mm-hmm. for me to actually look at my hair and really see the beauty in it. Mm-hmm. Like I look at your hair, look at yours, Eileen, and I, I see beauty. Before I wouldn't have seen beauty. Hmm. Yeah. in any of your hair types, but now I do. Yeah. Um again, and, and this is why I talk about tell people that the the idea of beauty is is you know we train ourselves mm. we are we are trained to see beauty in a particular way we are socialized to see beauty in a particular way yes. and it can change yes so when I had my daughter five years later mm-hmm. into going natural you can imagine I didn't want her to go through any of the mm-hmm. self doubt mm-hmm. issues self you know uh, 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 not feeling I am enough issues I didn't want her to go through that and at the time. Um, I used to say that um, hair is the last bastion of discrimination because even while you cannot um, call, you know, discriminate someone, you know, you can't say, uh, talk about somebody's skin colour, for example, you know, people recognise it immediately as discrimination. But when it comes to hair, people can say things about your natural hair and it doesn't come across as discrimination. It comes across as many other things. Yes, Eileen, I don't know whether... That's so so true. I don't know, Eileen, whether you caught that news story about a very, very high-end hotel in London telling... The Ritz, call it. Yes, the the Ritz. Ritz. The Ritz. (laughs) (laughs) The Ritz Hotel in London. The Ritz Hotel in London. (laughs) Having the audacity to tell an applicant that 
Afro hair. Afro hair is mm. uh, not professional. Is uh, and it just says it says so much. So you, we agree with you. I I agree with you. Like yeah, yeah. it is the last. Question. I mean, it's it, it, it's the it's an easy site to mm. to express racism, mm. and and people do that. So until we have something like the Crown um, Act, sorry, I'm, I'm, I think I'm jumping ahead yeah. now. You know where we have a definite law that says you cannot do this or mm-hmm. say this about someone's natural characteristic. Yeah, the way then, it grows yeah, out of the head. Exactly. Exactly. Imagine. And because of the way our hair grows, the the care uh, and nurturing of it is is different, mm. or is you know a little bit different from someone who doesn't have um, Afro textured hair. Mm. So yeah, so all of those things. But anyway, yeah. So when I had my daughter, I really wanted her to um, love everything about herself. I didn't want her to have any doubts. And hair is so powerful. And if I, I I strongly believe that if a woman is really comfortable with her hair, there's almost nothing you can throw at her. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's very. I think it would be much more difficult to. You know what the saying that says if there's oh what how does it go? You cannot. Okay, I'm not going to say this verbatim because I'm not really sure how it goes, but I'm sure you'll pick up what I mean. So, the enemy outside cannot harm you if there's no enemy inside i'm saying it wrong well, no, no, you know what gist. we get that and we that is gist. that is like spot on <laughs> exactly. and you know what i love about this lekia what i love about this so much is as as mums because we're all you know we all have mums and mm. if we don't have our own biological kids we're impacting other mm-hmm. other younger women mm. this idea of you working on yourself so hard you know really embracing yourself and then your daughter then picks up on you celebrating you Mm -hmm. that is because it doesn't matter how much we say oh you're beautiful no matter what if we don't believe we're beautiful how are they going to believe they're beautiful exactly exactly Exactly. and this is why we have so much anxiety among young Mm -hmm. people because uh, young because you telling them doesn't make any difference but they're picking up exactly they're picking up i'll tell you a a quick story um um, a friend of mine she's um she's slim but you know this world you know this era we live she wanted to be even slimmer so anyway she came up to me one day and said she i can't believe it her daughter at the time was three years old she said she caught her daughter and her daughter was one of those children, skinny children as well, you know, children that are really slim. So, um, and and uh, she used to laugh and say, oh, her daughter is the kind that if she took her to, to because she's from Syria, she took her to Syria alone, people would think she's not feeding mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. So one day she saw her daughter in the mirror, you know, just turning around, you know, turning her body around thinking, oh, I think I need to lose weight. Oh my goodness. I think I need to lose weight. She was three years old. Wow. And yeah, she was shocked. Man. Yeah. Wow. Where did is from yeah. how yeah because she's not even she's actually skinny anyway yeah but she, she it she it dawned on her that she was just imitating her mom mm. and 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 this... but she said she can't remember her daughter being there uh-huh. you know obviously she wasn't conscious of her daughter but her daughter saw her because that's what the, the sort of thing that she used to say but she never would yeah. have thought that her daughter was picking it and up. And I think it goes back to Lekia, what you were saying about your own voice, right? The critical voice. So your mm. voice, yeah. even if you don't externalize it, if you're saying to yourself in your head, and I think this is the thing with kids, kids are so intuitive. Mm-hmm. And if they're, if they're around us, they're picking up not just, this is my whole theory, they're not just picking up what we say. Absolutely. They're picking up how we think and feel. Yes. 
So yes, regardless exactly. of what we're saying, our, our daughter, we can tell her your body's beautiful, mm-hmm. but in our mind, if we're thinking, oh, she should lose some weight, she's also thinking I should lose some weight. Mm-hmm. They know, they exactly. know, they know, they know. They yeah. pick up these things. It's it's crazy, but they pick up these things. Mm-hmm. And because even now, when I say things or do things that I'm like, oh, I'm sounding like my daughter. And I think, oh, actually, no, she's sounding like me. Because yeah. <laughs> many times we don't even realize who or how we are. It's yeah, yeah, when yeah. people around us are, are doing things that it reflects back on us. Like um, if, say, a friend, you've had a friend for a long time and you know the friend's father, and then you tell the friend, oh, you just sound like your dad or you just, you know, you walk like... The friend will be like, no, I don't. Because they don't realize, <laughs> exactly. but you know, you can see, yeah. you know, and, and children pick up these things. Yeah, so... So at three... So, so, so like, yeah. so, sorry, I was just going to say, Ooh. at three, my daughter, two, at three years old, started ex- making saying certain things you know like when she'll see a woman she'll say oh I like her hair or um you know that sort of thing but I realized the only women that she said those those two were women black women with straight hair when she saw black women with my kind of hair or her kind of hair she didn't say that and I thought Mm. is it because she wasn't seeing enough of them or she just didn't see that hair as beauty Mm -hmm. and that's when I thought oh my god even with everything that I've done Mm -hmm. that message is coming through to her and it will only be a matter of time before she will start feeling self-conscious about her own hair and you know that would um, extend to being self-conscious about her identity as a black girl um and then that's when I thought of the idea I was thinking what can I do and then that's how the idea the idea of product embrace came about where I wanted to make a public declaration of the fact that um afrotextured hair is beautiful and should be accepted so give us a timestamp, stamp like, yeah, at, at, at what around what time was this what what year was it that you you um the project embrace was born so when she, so it was about 2008 when, you know, I started realizing no, I needed to do something, but I didn't know what, but it was about, say, nearly three years later, then I thought, oh, I would, actually, it started first with me thinking I would write an open letter in the Guardian newspaper okay. about hair discrimination. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm a journalist, aren't I? Of course. Yeah. So I my laptop, click, 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 writing, mm-hmm. writing, writing. Um, but you must probably thinking, hmm, did we did we read anything like that in the Guardian? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> because when I looked at it, I thought, nah, no, no one is gonna listen to me. Why would they publish this anyway? Exactly. Who am I? And the self-doubt was coming in again. But you know what? It was just still a nagging feeling, a nagging feeling. I go around, people, you know, just comments people make about my hair. When I see how beauty is portrayed, how the, the kind of language that is used when, uh, around Afro-textured hair, you know, hair advertising, uh, all this frizzy business and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, oh, gosh, what can I do? And I said, OK, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make a public declaration. So it was around 2011 that I said, OK that the idea of Product Embrace came out. Mm. And the first thing I did was have a Facebook page, but I really wanted to have a billboard campaign. Mm -hmm. And um, it took a while, you know, to get funds together to just to figure out how everything is going to work. And we didn't, I didn't get the first billboard out until 2017. Mm -hmm. So it took quite a while, you know. I love that you stuck to that though. I mean, that's Mm. really, you know, I've got to say, Lekia, and just talking to you and just that the, the beauty of, of 
resilience, you yes. know, and it comes across in everything you're saying. It's like the, the, the oh. power of your resilience and the power to be able to, to have that vision, not just for yourself, but for your daughter and that generation and to stick to it. You know, hats off to you. Thank you for that. Thank, oh, thank you so much. You so much. And there we were, Thanks. I remember in 2017, because one came out in, like, I saw a couple within the vicinity of my house, and I'm thinking, I know, and, and one of the people, one, one or two of the people on the campaign, I know. So it was like, what? I'm standing at my local bus stop, and I see Bo there, you know, in all her glory with her beautiful silver, you know, salt and pepper oh, black yes, hair. Yes, yes. And I'm thinking, this is just amazing. Oh, it was so amazing. And there we were, thinking, you know, this is what they say about it takes many years to become an overnight success, not knowing that you've been hatching this idea and nurturing it for all these years, you know, leading up to that point. So um, so tell us a little bit more about Project Embrace, what, you know, what's come on, uh, off the back of that. You talked about running a workshop. Um, talk, talk to us about the journey with Project Embrace. Wow, yes, it's been, um, oh, it's not been a, a, a straight road at all. <laughs> um, so we've had four billboard um, campaigns. So the, the idea is to have a, a a billboard campaign once a year. Every mm -hmm. year we have different women. Um, so we have uh, uh, open auditions because I, I didn't want it to just be to be just be models I want it to be everyday women like me and you because we are all beautiful enough to be on that pedestal yes. called the billboard camp billboard um and yes getting uh, billboard companies to support hasn't been very um easy the first billboard that I got uh, from uh, a company called UK billboards um I was really was really appreciative of that mm. and then after that I approached um another billboard company called clear channel mm. and they have been donating they have been donating um their 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 platform to us for yes for four with three times now That's over amazing. four years amazing. um amazing and hopefully we'll have another one this year i've approached and where, other, sorry where are your billboards are they all london based and central london or um, further afield so no it's been around so but it's only up for like two weeks you know um and then so hopefully um i'm hoping we can have them up for a bit longer time um but yes they've been in different cities they've been in glasgow leeds um london manchester uh, Birmingham, yes, just around, yeah. So that. that was I was that was. It, it's just it's really great when you meet people and they understand um, the importance yeah. of what you're doing. And so yes, I've had it was great. Um, I'm I'm also approaching other billboard companies, but not everyone seems to have the vision, yeah, um, or the the commitment to. Um, change the lexicon when it comes to black women or black beauty yeah. or diversity and, uh, and and inclusion the beauty um narrative is still very very narrow mm -hmm. um despite everything that we are doing or saying and i i know it will be uh, it will be kind of gradual before people are able to have a wider lens mm -hmm. when it comes to beauty and acceptability um so yeah so you know um i i hold workshops 
panel discussions where we can I know, sorry Lekia to jump across you but I really want to ask you about this that jumping jumping to go to go back to that how you know beauty hasn't you know it's, it's going to take some time for it to be a wider lens I'm curious do you think that the self-love is going to take as long as the external gaze so you know if you know, like I, I think I look at our our daughters. Like, that, that my daughter's now nine, and I was traveling with her recently, and I, I've watched her the same as you know your daughter's. Like, what she finds beautiful, right? And she saw this little girl with these little, these little. She had um little these cute little puffs on her, and she was like, "Mommy, that hair, her hair is so beautiful." Oh my gosh! And she was just staring at her, and then and then I see her with a little girl with the blondest, straightest hair. She's like, "Mommy, her hair's so beautiful." So she and I was just like baby girl, you can see beauty. You know, you can see beauty as it is. I was so chuffed. And I, and so I'm wondering with that in the, in, you know, previous generations, your generation, you know, maybe a few, you know, younger, if that is actually transforming the image for our daughters. So that even though the, the the rest of the world may not not recognize they're beautiful, they know they're beautiful. And then by, you know, the, I mean, you can't, once they know it, nothing can stop them, right? Mm. Well, I, I, I don't really get the question. Are you asking if um, it has to start with that internal feeling? Well, well, sorry, yeah. I'm asking if if you see that that internal shift is happening, even though the external is not yet appreciative. Yeah, but you yeah. know, if, if the if the internal is actually shifting already or has shifted, um, yeah, that's basically um, it. Yeah, I I think the internal is shifting. Mm. Um, not not um enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think it's it's something that can be easily separated. They have to work. Together, mm, it's like right. a coin that has both sides. Yeah, right. um, yes, you can feel I am beautiful, you know, but we are mm-hmm. still affected just because of the nature of who we are as human beings. Mm. Um, we are still affected by what people say. So if someone yeah, feels, oh yes, I'm I'm beautiful, you know, da 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 da. And then somebody says something negative about them that may not, you know, or they see something, um, they see someone like them portrayed negatively. They might not mm-hmm. have an impact at the time, yeah. but if they see constantly, 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 it could mm-hmm. affect them. They have to have somebody else to giving them and uh, feeding uh, into them that external voice feeding into them saying no. You're okay. I mean, yeah. my daughter's 17 now. She's very confident in her body and who she is. But I still, you know, um, feeding things into her head because yeah. Uh, when we are born, we we just we're just like a, a dry sponge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you Suck know. Suck it all in. Yes, exactly. And it depends on what sort of liquid you put that sponge in because we will be we 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 have to be socialized. No one is born with an idea of beauty. We are taught exactly. where to see beauty. When they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I always ask, but who taught the eye of the beholder? Who is directing the eye of the beholder? That's the thing. I think. So, um, I, I think. I think it's such a complex thing, and I do believe that yeah. cer- certain elements are falling into place. So I feel like if if you look at my time growing up versus mine and 
everyone, like the three of our, the three of us, things have certainly shifted. So now, if you look at our daughters, they now have access to social media and they're able to access, let's say, healthy. They're able to have more access to healthy images of black beauty than more so than we were. They're able to access um, positive, you know, material and content that helps affirm them. But it's not everything because at the end of the day, the society is made up of many different parts, mm -hmm. including teachers, including advertisers, um, employers, and all of these various elements that feed into that whole image of beauty. So it will take those people having access to and being reconditioned to accept that there's not one standard of beauty. That will be the day when things change in terms of the socialization of our kids. But, mm -hmm. you know, in the meantime, we can only do what's within our power to do. And yes, and, and we have we have that power. It's just that consistency. We have to keep on, you know, yeah. say, say, for example, if you think of a say, let's say, think of a um, a, a perfume ad. Now, perfume ads, they always want to use someone who is seen as beautiful. Yeah. Um, and when you see them using a woman in a perfume ad, what's the sort of woman that they use? You know, well, it's a Charlize Theron. Um, you know, so so type. so even though we're not, so even though you might say, yeah, you know, you know, they, there's that idea that it's because if they had a variety of looks using for say a perfume advert or even car adverts when they want to, because they, you know cars are supposed to be advertised for men, it was supposed to be to, uh, men, masculine, so they want to use a woman to bring in the masculine gaze. What kind of woman do they use? But this is what so, I'm saying. Yes, it it takes yeah, those people at, being being. Yeah. challenged and their and perceptions how, how do you change that because it's a habit the way we think is habitual the way we see beauty is habitual so when you're in the habit of seeing beauty in that sort of way how do you change just like we want to change your eating habits it's you know or you know you want to start exercise when you don't exercise you, you know it's it takes a while for you to change all the neurons that are firing that makes you think in a certain way. You know, you're watching, you're watching, a, I'm just watching this um, series on Netflix and all the pretty women just look one way. And then when they want to bring in someone who is not supposed to be pretty, it, you know, <laughs> it was a black woman, you know, and <laughs> These things are is still Terrible. so you know subtly said, but very powerful. So yeah. there's still a long way to go. But I think the the like I tell people, the revolution is internal. We it, have to like it is. you write it, Eileen. We do have to start with the internal, though. No matter how um uh, powerful the the outward scenes, we have to start with the internal. Because for me personally, I feel if the internal um decision, if the decision if I hadn't made that decision to say, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore because it's not in line with me loving myself. Right. But the, I wouldn't but have been able to the stand idea, firm. The, the reason why we're even talking to you today is because you went outside of that. You went you went beyond your own internal self-love. You you then embrace you sort of like engulfed your daughter in that in that way of thinking but you went even further than that because this is what I'm trying to say. It's the advertisers because the advertisers will continue to do what they do to get the sales mm -hmm. that, they, that they get. It's initiatives like Project Embrace, which then put and challenge a little bit even, you know, just 
put a blip in the way they think and challenge the way they think. And I think we need more of of the type yeah, of stuff that you do. That. Yeah. Yeah, when you, you, you have to challenge people because sometimes, as I said, it's habitual. So they, you don't even realize that mm-hmm. you're just looking through a very narrow single lens yeah. until someone says, actually, can you just turn a little bit left and you might see something different? And like, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah. You know, so Unconscious and, and that's bias. where our, yeah, our mm. voice is coming. So tell, yeah. uh, what, tell us about your workshops, because I love the fact that you're, you said you were doing a workshop for men. I love that. Mm. That's fantastic. Tell us. Yes. So it's called a daddy hair hero, (laughs) the daddy hair hero workshop. So um, it's just, you know, because I want to also um, push this idea that, you know, looking after your child or your daughter, it's not just the mom's job, you know, it's the parent's job. It's the fathers have to be involved in how their daughters look and, and feel and how their daughters feel about themselves. So that idea of, oh, my, I need your daughter needs her hair to be done. So go to mommy. No, you can take ownership, too, of how you're nurturing your daughter. And can you imagine how a little girl will feel affirmed when her oh, dad is doing yeah. her hair and saying, oh, you're so beautiful, relax, oh. sweetie. You know, let's, I love you know, let's that. do it this way. Oh, is it hurting? Oh, sorry. You know, you've seen the gentle side of yes. your dad. Oh. And I tell you. I tell guys, I said, look, you're thinking, oh, when my daughter grows up, I'm going to have a gun. Any guy that comes to the door. All that bravado. What a good, gentle man oh. should be like. You know what, Lydia? You are <laughs> preaching here. Preach and tell the truth. <laughs> you don't you know, see any gun. You don't you know, see all that harshness. <clears throat> I you be what you want your daughter. So when she's out there, you know, and looking for a, a partner, whoever, whichever kind of mm-hmm. partner she's looking mm-hmm. for, whether it's, you know, a, 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 a girl or a, a guy, she would look for someone who would treat her with respect, treat yes. her gently, yes. take, uh, respect her feelings, respect her boundaries. We have to show them that. Yeah. And and what, what and other, like, there, there are certain, I'm sure all of us remember the moments when we sat and we we had our hair groomed by our, I would imagine it's our mothers at that point. But I remember that. And and all of the emotions attached to that. Now, I remember the yeah. hot comb experience. I also, I remember different okay. things. But can you imagine the memories that we're implanting in our, in our girls if we say, yeah. daddy will do your hair daddy for you? Daddy does it, yeah. And that you know, when amazing. I look at that, I watch those videos on YouTube. You know, they Ooh. have these videos of black men doing yes. the baby's hair. I watch those videos and they make me cry. They Why? are like because it, I think it's so many narratives, right? It's one yeah. about black men. Yes. Yes. About the, the, yes. the you know the gentle nurturing of a black father. Yes. And, you know, and, yes. and and that is true for most black men, yes. right? It's true that most black men are good men. <laughs> you know, they're good I, fathers. Sorry to jump in, Eileen. Sorry to jump Please. in there because that's another thing that I wanted to show was the fact that they are good black fathers out there. Yes. And lots of them. Yes. Lots of them. Yes. Oh, you know? And yeah, and, and we always have good response, you know, when when we have these workshops. But also again, another thing I wanted to also um um change in our community is how we we we, we nurture our, our hair or our children's hair. You know, there's there's this video someone posted which was funny but so true where he's a comedian but his his sister acting as his mom was doing his uh, his hair i was like 
twisting it here, turn it here, twisting the head, you know, using the cup to knock it. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced that with my own mom. I've yes. experienced that with, like in Nigeria, you will go to the market where they do your hair and it's pulling and no, no patience. No. Yeah. And we need to move away from we that. Do. It's like, oh, when a child is kind of saying it's hurt, you're like, oh, be quiet. Mm. It doesn't hurt that. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Just say, okay, I'm sorry. Be gentle. We yeah. can. We don't have to use force mm. to nurture our hair. We can yeah. be gentle. Yes. And I think oh. it's a good relationship, a good way to build a relationship yes. with your yeah. child. To be gentle, you know, loving touch, you know, because we do it for mothers as well. Touch your child's hair with loving, loving mm-hmm. hands, you know, talk to them. Um, my daughter has cut her hair now because, you know, she said she wants to focus on her studies mm. and, you know, she's in her levels. So she's got a nice little afro. Mm-hmm. But before she cuts it, we sit down, we're watching something together. Mm-hmm. We Sometimes we pause and we discuss what we're watching, mm-hmm. you know, or she's just there in between my legs, in between me. Yeah. And I'm just loving her mm. and nurturing her hair and talking to her and telling her how beautiful and wonderful and great mm-hmm. she is. Yeah. And what she can do. if she has any issues, she'll say, yeah, mom, but you know, this friend, he said this. And I, we talk about things like that. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's three hours of just me mm. and her. Yeah. You know, especially when you have teenagers, yeah. you don't want to get three hours with your teen like that. You wouldn't. And, and so the hair can be a good way, for, you know, for I you to it. get that it's time true. instead of sending them off to some hairdresser. It's true. Then you learn it. Absolutely. And and I have two things to say. The first one is, I feel like when our when we were younger and our hair was treated like a problem to be solved, because all of that straightening yeah. and everything, it just nurtures. It just creates a very very wrong relationship. It, it's an unhealthy relationship between us and our own hair. But you're reminding me as well about me and my daughter and the fact that when it's wash day, she'll call me. She'll say, mom, it's wash day. Let me show you the progress of my hair. And she, she will spend, uh, she will devote a Saturday morning just to the nurturing and the caring for her own hair. And she's so, and you, I've never thought about it until having this conversation that that's different to the way I think I, my initial relationship was with my hair. It was like, oh, yeah. how can I control this hair? How can I, how can I fix yeah. this problem sitting on top of my head? It's so, so true. So beautiful. I mean, it's, exactly. it, this is like, this is a ministry of love all through, right? So this is just, mm. man, it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. And, and, and again, just from what you said, Daphne, it's like, you know, when we think, seen our hair as a problem that needs to be solved that's where the narrative of oh it's too difficult it's you know mm-hmm. it's difficult mm-hmm. to manage it's you know it's a problem because we are seeing it as a problem mm. just you know there's certain things if we just in a sense respect the hair and look at it as part of as an extension of us so when you're yeah. loving your hair it's also part of self-love but again black women you know or black girls we're we're we are brought up to not to um, not f- almost feel guilty that we give ourselves that time oh, and attention, yeah. that love, you know, yeah. that's it's gentleness and softness and tenderness. We always have to be fighting and mm, and working, doing everything for everyone else apart yes. from ourselves. No, yes. but we should we should um, feel like when people say, "What is the what is the thing you do to nurture yourself or to you know." to pamper yourself I said I take a nap Mm. for me that was revolutionary because 
for me to take a nap before i remember a friend of mine this is many about six years ago we said oh we've been sleeping too much no more sleeping we are going to you know work work hard and work hard and work because we thought that we have to put in sleep you know we spent all sleeping no more sleeping and we were like yeah, yeah. and now and i used to feel so guilty Oh when my I goodness. just take maybe that yeah. one hour nap. And I think, no, I'm meant to be working hard, working. Now I'm like, Oh my no. gosh. So on that no. note, ladies, sleep more. <laughs> sleep more, listeners. I'm telling you. And it's revolutionary, right? It's revolutionary <laughs> what sleep I think does. that's what we'll call this episode. Sleep is revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> As a revolutionary way of revolutionary. self-care. It is, self-care yeah. for black women is revolutionary. Absolutely. You know? so, yes. Absolutely. So, so Lekia, before we, we wrap up, um, just wanted to see whether you've got any message for all of our babies, teenagers, and women of our age. Mm-hmm. What do you want to tell us about our hair? Firstly, your hair is beautiful. It's not a problem. And it's not difficult. Um, not knowing something, it might seem like it's difficult. But once you know, it's not rocket science. Anyone can learn to look after your hair. But if you first learn to accept it and learn to love it, it would it would become easy, you know. Um, and then it's a journey as well. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be like me before as a beater up a self. I was, you know, don't do things right. You're like, no, it has to happen now. It's a journey. Take it easy. One step at a time. Um there's something that my friend said, a good friend of mine says, which I really love when is when um, people talk about, you know, maybe judging her, judging her parents. And then she'll say, but why do I care? Yeah. You know, something, why do I care? And I use that sometimes when I'm thinking, mm, yeah. um, oh, this thing I'm wearing, is it? And I'm, then I'll say, no, 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 stop. Like, why do I care? Mm. Why? Yeah. And the answer is I shouldn't care. So, you know, and it takes us time to get to that point. So, yeah, just be gentle on yourself, be gentle on your hair. And it's important to love yourself. And we can um, we can express that self-love also by nurturing and looking after our hair. But you need to stop me now because I could go on and on and on. (laughs) (laughs) We we love it. We love it all. Yeah, I'll tell you, Lekia, it's so appreciative. I mean, I'd love to know as well, where can people find out more about Project Embrace? How can people find you and everything you're doing? Um, So um, I'm mainly active on Instagram. So it's just at Project Embrace. Um, We also have a a LinkedIn um, page as well um, at Project Embrace UK. And you can go on our website, um, which is, um projectembrace.org.uk um and there's an opportunity to join the newsletter if you want to get you know regular information well i say regular it's not that regular to be honest <laughs> information about what we're doing um so yeah and so it's just things like that you know I'm, I'm you know i want to form a community where we can nurture ourselves our- do, um do you actually also give tips for how to um manage hair and stuff like that or how to love and nurture hair how to look after your hair yeah that's normally with the workshop so we do the workshop really is all about you know how to nurture our hair how to love it how to keep it moisturized um what to do to stop it from breaking um what kind of products would be good you know how often to wash how often to moisturize really 
conditions this sort of thing that's with our workshops and from time to time we also put you know one or two tips on on instagram so, but the instagram so basically we should encourage people to sign up yeah. for a workshop to get onto instagram for project embrace to sign up for a workshop and just everything that project embrace is doing um lekia we have loved talking to you there are so many things you've said that i would have loved to spend half an hour talking about just that thing mm -hmm. so i really appreciate your wealth and and um like, you. Uh, you know the full spectrum of what you're bringing and the message of self-love for us as black women i mean i think it's important for all women for all people all human beings but i yes. know that it's a big big um, it's been highly neglected for black women and we have bought, a lot of us have bought into the narrative that we don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. So to hear you saying this um, and affirming uh, the beauty of us as um, black women is just so wonderful. So thank you for joining us so thank much. Thank you, Lekia. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well. And um I, I'm just, I really appreciate the support, you know, and yeah, just keep supporting as well. And um, anytime you need me again, I'm here. <laughs> Thank Thank you. You. We'll hold you to it. We'll <laughs> hold you to it. <laughs> Special thanks to Ayozie Apolodine for our artwork and Crack the Window for our theme music. This episode was edited by Marcus Root. Our website is soulfullypodcast.com. Check it out for show notes and links. Please subscribe to our podcast on most podcast platforms and watch us on YouTube. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we're soulfully yours.